This podcast is intended solely for educational purposes and presents information of a general nature. It is not intended to guide or determine any specific individual situation and persons should consult qualified professionals before taking specific action. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and not those of Milliman. Welcome to Critical Point. I'm Leslie Pink, your host today. We're talking about mortality, the rate at which people die. It sounds morbid, but mortality rate drives many factors that affect our everyday living, like pensions, healthcare, and taxes. Joining us today is Dale Hagstrom, who has been researching mortality over the course of 40 years at Milliman. He's here to talk about how global events like immigration and climate change affect mortality. Hi, Dale. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Let's talk about mortality improvement, two words that you don't often hear together. (laughs) And what is mortality improvement? I'll speak for the life insurance side where I work most of my time, and they they very much root for mortality improvement. I think we all do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, uh, The concept is for a particular age, there's a 10% chance of dying at this age, age 88, um, in a particular year, 2000. Um, Perhaps by the time year 2010 rolls around, uh, those same age, different people now uh, that were 10 years younger, but by the time they reach that same age, 88, um, perhaps their mortality rate isn't that 10% 10% rate, maybe it's only 9.5%. There's been an improvement uh, for that age, um, different people, but the mortality table that you want to use has lower mortality rates. The improvement is that there's less death. Let me say it a slightly different way. Uh, since I'm going to focus on usually the rate, what percentage of the people entering the year die, Mortality improvement means that there's a fewer number dying. So fewer the, number, number the, dying. the rate goes down. The rate goes down. Okay. Um, okay. So how has that inched up in the U.S., for example? Has there been a significant jump in mortality improvement or does it go up and down? Uh, if I went back most of 100 years, uh, mortality has actually improved by about two-thirds, something that had been might have been a 30% death rate. It might be now down at 10% death rate. But it's a, it tends to be a slow uh, process. It, it, it certainly varies a bit from year to year, up and down a little bit. But the overall pattern has been a, a great deal of improvement cumulatively. What are some of those factors, illnesses that are bettering the mortality rate, if that's, I think, how you would say that. The things have led to a, that great deal of improvement over the last 100 years. Uh, first and foremost, early on, were all kinds of public health measures. They had better water supplies, better sanitation, um, better conditions in terms of having fewer mosquitoes and fewer in, in more, most places, you know, screen windows, you know, just lots of public health stuff. Um, then they actually invented antibiotics a little bit into the 30s, but by the 1940s, it started becoming used a little bit more widespread, and that, that helped a lot with mortality rates. The big effect was for 
relatively younger ages because that their only real reason to die would have been those kind of communicable diseases. Uh, so you, when you beat those, you pretty much uh, re- eliminate a lot of deaths at a lot of younger ages, uh, young adult ages. Um, in 1964, the Surgeon General published a report on how smoking was actually a deadly kind of habit. That's led to steady improvements in certainly lung cancer, certainly all kinds of heart uh, attacks and stroke um, throughout the 50s and 60s. And again, at ages where those deaths would otherwise have shown up, mm-hmm. age 50, age 60, age 70. Um, so there's been a steady improvement in mortality rates at those older ages, relatively older than the young ones that were first affected by the more public health measures. Clearly, then there's other things, um, good and bad uh, changes in habit, some more exercise for some, less exercise for other, living conditions for some, living conditions, different direction for others. So those things have had a mixture. It's worth recognizing a lot of things you might think of that, oh, there's you know, people dying in a, in a hurricane, okay? Uh, and every one of those is a tragedy. But the thing to realize is the regular deaths in the U.S. are like two and three-quarter million a year. So if I have an extra 100 deaths from any particular cause that hits the newspaper, it may not change the overall statistics. And every year there's blips. Not right. all of them hit the newspaper, of course. So the overall total it stays fairly steady, and you look for the longer-term trends. Is it, in fact, getting better? Is it, in fact, getting worse? Clearly, the medical profession has done a lot of work, so the development of medical things has worked well on things like heart, which is stroke and, and heart attacks, because the uh, anti-cholesterol and the low blood pressure kind of medicines have a real influence there, and has really made a difference in mortality. And again, we're talking about ages and the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, what's been frustratingly slow is that cancer deaths haven't really gone down any material amount. It's still a second leading cause of death, but the pattern of improvement on cancer is really, unfortunately, rather flat. Um, not much improvement. You talked about mortality improvement. What about things that are going in the other direction? Yes, the biggest issue... Uh, in an immediate fashion is obesity. It's, there's a lot higher um, diabetes prevalence, and that will eventually raise the mortality rate, so that's going to arise diabetes earlier in life, serious medical conditions, and ultimately death earlier in life. That's going to be a, a disimprovement. Um, another item was just in general, there's, there's higher deaths uh, from a combination of Accidents, uh, suicide, um, criminal attack, um, those, that mort- aspect of mortality, that cause of death, is tending to rise. Um, and there's obviously all kinds of theories represented by political debate on what's a good thing and what would be a bad thing to try to uh, deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the mortality rates are going up. From that, they're not the major cause of death, so the overall mortality rate hasn't gone up much. A third one has shown up in the statistics in the last handful of years um, is the opioid epidemic, and the addiction to opioids is a very deadly thing, um, and it's shown up in the mortality statistics for the country 
in kind of middle ages mm-hmm. um, and economic groups that are a little bit disadvantaged but didn't previously have particularly bad prospects for mortality or having higher mortality rates. I was also wondering about terrorism and war-related deaths and how those affect the mortality improvement rate. Terrorism is a risk of a very potentially big event. Uh, luckily, here in the U.S., we've had relatively few for, you know, 15 years. But when you combine it with another baseline set of deaths of two and three-quarter million, it you know, you're not going to see necessarily large overall effects on mortality tables. And even if it's a one-time event like 9-11 here in New York 17 years ago, um, it's sort of a one-year event. With climate change, are we seeing, is, is that having any effect or does it have the potential to have any effect? Well, it certainly has a potential. It's hard for me to say that there's a material effect today Obviously, there's some people who die in a hurricane, and in the past, there were probably greater deaths from hurricanes, even though there might have been arguably fewer hurricanes. We've improved on our communication to let people know, hey, get off the beach. Um, Give them two or three days warning. So climate change will have an effect, and it will be a a broad effect and a major effect. It will affect the ability to uh, provide food. I mean, if they if the ocean rises a little bit, and then with storms, a lot of things get flooded, even if they aren't permanently flooded. Um, there's a whole lot of economic activity in the U.S. that's centered on the coast. In the meantime, if the weather's different, you can't grow the same crops. That affects the price of food. Uh, all these things. There will be big effects, and when you have a poorer economy, mortality goes up. And I wanted to talk about, you're talking specifically about the United States. What country has a mortality improvement rate strikingly similar to the U.S. and one that is strikingly dissimilar to the U.S.? Clearly, other uh, advanced economies, industrial economies like the U.S., have kind of broadly similar mortality. Clearly, you can look around some other countries, Japan and Singapore and some other small ones, where the population is more homogeneous, everyone's sort of doing more of the same thing. The government's sort of taking and has a popular support for doing as much as they can because everyone's kind of in the same um, mindset. Um, they tend to have better life expectancy, you know, but lower mortality rates than in the U.S., uh, the U.S. has a more dispersed population geographically, more dispersed in terms of socioeconomic groups, more dispersed in terms of where they came from and what their cultural habits are. Someone who's a new immigrant from the U.S. Um, has a different expectations, different habits. It's actually very interesting when you look at the U.S. statistics and try to see, okay, how would that apply someplace else? Well, U.S. population has uh, its biggest growth in in uh, immigrant population is, is much bigger than any other country, much more uh, fluid population. We have many more people from various Hispanic countries, many more people from Asia, um, and that, that is a noticeable fraction of our population. But in the U.S., these are voluntary immigrants. 
They've wanted to get here. They've had to go through various hurdles, but they're partly by the government over the last 40 years or whatever. They had to have the, the hurdles of kind of finding a job, you know, finding a way to live. And they're better mortality than the population that's sort of already here. We've, they've, they've sort of self-selected to be healthier. They had the ability to move, um, uh, ambitious, uh, seeking education, seeking the kind of economic uh, environment the U.S. offers. So they're actually, the, the Hispanic population in the U.S. has demonstrably lower mortality rates than the non-Hispanic population. Even if you just looked at, say, I'll say white, non-Hispanic uh, versus Hispanic, they're distinctly lower. Males are lower than the white males, non-Hispanic. The females are better than that. And there's at least three theories, and maybe they're all true, that immigration self-select for healthier. Um, maybe the culture emphasizes a family structure in ways that's uh, taking care of people. Maybe their medical care is something different but better mm -hmm. for them. It could be diet also. It could be diet. diet could be exercise. Right. You know, who knows? So it's, it's interesting. Can develop all kinds of theories about why that is. Um, similarly, the Asian population that's here from lots of different places in Asia. So I don't want to say they're all one big homogeneous homogeneous group, but by and large, um, they tend to have um, probably some of the same influences affecting them. Um, I'm not speaking to what their mortality rates are, but I'm willing to believe they are lower mortality than the general U.S. population. So when you start talking about mortality improvement, what I'm really saying is. Actuaries end up needing to look at a very detailed well, for what particular group, what age, what sex, what country of origin, if that's relevant, um, what economic class. If I'm if I'm pricing mortality for someone who's buying a life insurance policy, the people who buy a million dollar face amount policy are a different group of people than the people that buy twenty five thousand dollars, and they have different mortality. On the note of non-Hispanic whites and Hispanic whites and differences within groups, women tend to live longer than men. Um, is men's mortality improvement catching up to women's or not at all? Or is there a trend? Well, it kind of varies. And from time to time, there's certainly a period of time that the men were kind of catching up and then there's been something to come along and the men kind of go off and do stuff that isn't quite as good. And, uh, <laughs> like and, what? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're, they're much more inclined to die from accidents. They're much more inclined to die from violence. They're much more inclined to die from suicide because they use effective means. There's no second thoughts. If you shoot yourself in the head with a gun, um, that's it. If you try to take sleeping pills, yeah, you might get saved. And, and men and women tend to take different means for suicide, for example. Men die more from... Drugs, men even today do more smoking than women. Men are more risk takers. Not every man, but you know, the women have lower mortality rates than men as a general rule. That wasn't true 100 years ago. Uh, what changed? Uh, women stopped dying in childbirth so much. Not that it doesn't still happen. Um, but it used to be, if you went back the previous few thousand years, um, men were the dominant group in the tribe because they had the elders, and the women didn't live to be elders. Right. Um, but that's not been true for 100 years and maybe longer. With the mortality 
rate improving, what effect does that have on other aspects of life? For example, retirement issues, um, health care. It's a very important aspect. Um, uh, As a life insurance person, I'll see people, you know, living longer, and that's all great. Life insurers can offer less expensive products. Um, On the other side, where there's pensions involved, whether it's a program to provide medical care uh, after you retire um, or a pension after you retire or long-term care. Those costs are rising, have risen already quite a lot, and will have every 100 reasons why they'll get much more expensive over time. And having a handle on that, having the ability to kind of forecast it and hopefully then make changes in ways that makes it affordable for everyone um, depends on having good information, good projections, uh, realistic understanding of how much mortality improvement should we anticipate and how many people will reach that age 80, age 90, age 100, age 110, age 120. Um, Is 120 possible, you think, in the future? People already, some few have already have lived that long. It's few Mm-hmm. Um, there's a very interesting debate going about how to think about what can happen way out there. Currently, I go with the theory there's kind of a limiting age out there that's something like 120. Even if you cured every disease known to man, but then at some point the body just falls apart because everything's outlived its ability to regenerate, then you, you kind of fall off a cliff. It's actually a wonderful scenario. You're healthy to the day you drop dead. But if you could stay healthy until you then just run out of steam, everybody would say, yeah, yeah, I want to live to 100. But that will be expensive if you're not healthy for the people who are providing medical care or people providing long-term custodial care. But if you're healthy, that's okay. That's affordable then. Mm-hmm. You know. On the other hand, people who promise you a monthly income pension – you know, your final salary for the, as long as you live and you live to 120 after retiring at 60, that's a long <laughs> pension payment. Um, and the people who have that liability um, kind of want to understand just how much money they should be saving up. And I, as a life insurance actuary, say, like, yeah, go for it. Live forever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Dale. You've been listening to Critical Point, presented by Milliman. To listen to other episodes of our podcast, please visit us at milliman.com or find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. See you next time.